Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. So great to be with you. And today's topic is how grieving the pandemic can unlock revelation of God and ourselves. How grieving the pandemic can unlock revelation of God and ourselves. And actually, this is a part one of two. Now, at this moment of recording this, we've lost almost 450,000 people to this pandemic just here in the United States and over 2.2 million people around the world. It's just a staggering number of losses. It's actually almost too much for our brain to comprehend. And then, of course, there's the uh, outside the human loss of all those individual people. uh, You have the family members uh, impacted, sons, daughters, brothers, sisters, uh, moms and dads, friends, all impacted by those losses, their lives changed forever. Then, of course, you've got the the smaller losses of uh, job losses, economic uh, upheavals, uh, weddings, funerals, either canceled, postponed, friendships, uh, you know, unable to to happen, people dying alone, high school graduations, uh, births happening alone. Again, let alone the impact on churches and community and ministries and poor, the poor around the world. It really is that pandemic is uh, the World War II event, actually, of our generation. And uh, over these months, I've heard repeatedly, and I, I have this inside of myself, this kind of attitude is even this phrase, I just want to move on. I want this thing to be over so I can move on and get back to normal. And uh, and for church leaders and pastors and leaders, we want to, you want to get the strategy. How, how are we going to shift how we do church? What's the future look like? And almost like, I just want to get past this thing. Uh, And yet we find ourselves in this very long season of endings, of sheddings, of dissent, uh, of loss and grief that just keeps going on, is going to go on probably for another four to six months at least. And uh, actually, this is holy ground, at least in Scripture's understanding of life, Uh, And we find ourselves in strange, unfamiliar ground here. But this is a moment. It's a moment of maturity. It's a moment of deepening. It's a moment of growth. Uh, It's a moment where something of revelation of God is meant to be unlocked uh, for our lives, our communities, our churches, the mission of God. So I, I, I've been thinking about this for a while, and, and really I can't squeeze this into one part, so it's going to be a two-part uh, podcast uh, about how, it, how are we to respond personally, but not only personally, but then as leaders of families, leaders of our workplaces, leaders of our teams, staffs, our churches. So I, for example, I've just begun to take moments of silence at dinner each night, uh, most nights anyway, to, to remember just silence to remember those who have died, who are no longer here on earth with us. I've taken time a few times a week to, to read obituaries from places like the New York Times of people's lives who've died and their histories. So that it's not just, these aren't numbers. These are human beings. Each life is a miracle made in the image of God and lives being cut short. And again, it's a tragedy our human minds can barely take in. So uh, next week, I'll get more specific of practical ways of how we can lead our families, our ministries, our teams, our churches. But for now, I want to lay a foundation for that. Um, There's just so much to say 
but I want to lay out a theology out of the Book of Lamentations, which is such an important book for us in a season like the one we find ourselves in right now. Uh, and so this is actually like a graduate school uh, of emotionally healthy discipleship that we're in right now, grieving the pandemic uh, to unlock revelation of God in ourselves. Uh, but let me encourage you before I go any further here that uh, even getting started, if you're new to this podcast, let me invite you to uh, take our basic personal assessment of am I an emotional infant, child, adolescent, or adult? And one of the sections of that 15 to 20 minute assessment is how you handle grief and loss. So take a look at that. Go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash mature. That's emotionallyhealthy.org slash mature. And take that personal assessment and see how you do come out on grief and loss. All right, but for now, uh, let me take you, let's go to the book of Lamentations. And uh, this early is a growing, a grown-up book. Uh, I didn't preach on it for many years. I Most people have never heard a sermon on a book of, a book of Lamentations because uh, it's such a foreign theme to us in North America, especially those of you listening from the West, uh, because everything in us wants to avoid dissent, loss, and pain. We want upward and to the right. But really, if you look at the history of Israel, uh, the history of the Hebrew people is bracketed by two events, the exodus from Egypt and the exile from Babylon. So those two events. And now we focus on the exodus. We love that freedom with singing and dancing and joy. But we tend not to like too much the horror of the Babylonian exile. And it's for this reason the Jewish community uh, reads this book uh, every year in August on the, on the anniversary of the event. Uh, they call it the saddest day in Jewish history, the exile. But it's so deeply foundational to uh, uh, their spirituality, to Jewish spirituality, is lamentation, is the moment of, of the Babylonians wiping out Jerusalem. It's much like you know spirituals being sung in the African-American community here in the United States out of slavery of hundreds of years that so shaped African-American culture uh, you know, out of suffering and loss and so much riches and gold came has come out of that uh, to shape not just African-American history, but the United States history. It's such an important part of our history. So uh, let's dig in for a few minutes today in this podcast into the Book of Lamentations. Uh, before I read you a, a small section of it, let me describe you a bit of the context and uh, then make a little application for us today. Now, again, the Book of Lamentations is a is a poetic book. It's poetry. And it's meant to, written by Jeremiah the prophet, to remember and to grieve, to help God's people grieve the total disaster of what happened when the Babylonian empire destroyed Jerusalem, raising it to the ground. Remember, Jerusalem was God's city. This is the place where God dwelt, where Solomon's temple had been for 500 years. You know, and the king of Babylon and his army marched against Jerusalem, surrounded it, broke through the walls, set fire to the temple of God's dwelling place. They destroyed the royal palace. Every important building in the city was burned to the ground. Uh, just think of the World Trade Center in 9-11. Uh, that's what happened to the city of Jerusalem, uh, raised to the ground. It, it, the, the, the emphasis in Lamentations and actually the descriptions in Scripture is of the massiveness of the brutality, the large-scale horror of what happened uh, in the uh, destruction of Jerusalem. It was a holocaust. All the leading citizens uh, were executed. 
The king's sons were killed in front of him. He was blinded. Uh, in fact, it was considered you were, you were better off getting killed than actually dying of famine. Bodies were everywhere, are described actually in Lamentations. Old and young are everywhere. Women and young girls were, were raped. The famine was so severe in the city that there was no food for people to eat, so much so that people re were reduced to cannibalism. Uh, it says in, in Lamentations 4.10 that mothers have cooked their own children who became their food when my people were destroyed. Maybe you've read the book called Alive about the Ugandan, I mean, Uruguayan rugby team that was stranded in the Andes Mountains after a plane crash and uh, ended up having to eat dead bodies to survive. But the, the point of, of Jeremiah here in the book of Lamentations is he is he's in disbelief that this has happened. He can't even believe it. He's utterly appalled. He's revolted. He, he can't get these images horrific images out of his mind, watching children and babies die of hunger and uh, kids crawling through the ruins of Jerusalem with no one to help and all of the riches of the temple being robbed for these pagan Babylonian temples. And then the pagans entering God's holy sanctuary and no more sacrifices, no more priesthood, no more temple. It seemed like God had abandoned them and that couldn't, couldn't Yahweh have protected his own people from this? And Again, the loss of the temple was so closely tied to the loss of the prestige of God uh, who dwells there, which is it was highly symbolic. And it was like the end of the people of God. And their sense of identity was just, again, wiped out, just utter humiliation. And meanwhile, here's Jerusalem raised to the ground into dust. And yet Babylon, the, the capital city of the Babylonians, had a skyline, a magnificent temples to Marduk. Great warriors walking the streets, prosperity. They're, they're the great superpower of the day. They're dominating the world, the known world at that time. Uh, and yet, as uh, Jeremiah writes, your wound, uh, Jerusalem, is so is as deep as the sea, uh, such as the level of despair. And, and, and Jeremiah just finds it almost impossible to believe that this catastrophe has occurred. Uh, the severity of the blow is, is just that severe. It's overwhelming. The loss is so total and final. I, I mean, who could have ever imagined a pandemic uh, of 450,000 people dying? It's probably going to go up to uh, 500, 600,000 people by the time this is over. I mean, it's just, it's staggering number going back to, again, the uh, 1918 uh, epidemic. Uh, it's just unbelievable. So the question is, how how is God coming to us? Where, where's God in all this? And so I want to I just share with you a few verses out of Lamentations, and then I want to just talk to you about Jeremiah's perspective on how uh, grief and loss of something as massive as this pandemic actually uh, is an invitation from God to unlock revelation of him, revelation of his ways, revelation of ourselves, revelation for the church to actually become something different, something more mature, uh, but it's going to require something of us in terms of responding to God in ways that perhaps we've not responded to before in situations like this. It's not just getting over it and moving on. It's actually absorbing this kind of grief and loss and letting it enter us and change us. So uh, let me just read you a couple of verses. This is beginning at chapter 2 in verse uh uh, 11, Jeremiah says, my, my eyes fail from weeping. I am in torment within. My heart is poured out on the ground. So he's got this incredible 
He, he, the grief is entering him. And, and then we get this famous passage in, in chapter 3 that many of us, we, we know the songs around it. And he, go, he, he writes, he begins by saying in chapter 3, verse 19, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. And so you've got this beautiful incredible passage of he he's in great grief uh he's paying attention to that grief but yet he's he's waiting on the lord on it he's he's with god in this confusing time in which the horrors are happening around him but he allows the old to birth anew in it and and it's these movements of how do we respond to to grief and loss especially cataclysmic grief and loss and, and he moves through these he moves through and in these uh, dynamics of how God intends for us to respond to grief and loss so so beautifully. So again, just I know we're in a huge loss right now with the pandemic. All of us, it's a collective global loss, so unusual. Um, but we all have losses that are going on all the time in our lives, getting older and transitioning from jobs and uh, moving and from marriage to singleness or immigration and then we got losses of our dreams that we had and one of the great challenges of life or then we got those the catastrophic losses of cancers and infertilities and affairs and betrayals and again deaths and church splits uh then we've got just even losses of how things we thought about god and the way he should be and function just not realizing they don't work anymore uh the mistakes we've made the losses of of our limits our humanity and we realize I, I i don't have i'm not in charge like i thought i was and uh and, and these are these invitations of our, our losses are, are allowing these sufferings to come into us and and not close us up but actually open us up so we have these i want to take it apart in these, these overlapping movements theologically of uh how do we respond to loss and grief now our culture is we spin it you're right and we want to go for a bigger better happier life uh, our culture doesn't do lament or grief. We see loss and suffering as an interruption to our happy life. And um, it's something, it's an invasion. I like the, I, the phrase I, I've loved for years is it's an alien invasion from outer space. It doesn't belong in my life. Uh, and so I, I'm used to anger and rage uh, because this is exceptional. This should not be happening to me. And that, that's our culture. And so medication of losses through drugs or alcohol or getting busy or trying to fix it uh, or kind of uh, numbing myself and saying, it's no big deal. Uh, God's on the throne. Let's just move on. Or, uh, or, or getting angry at politicians or governments that aren't taking my pain away or fixing this or just going numb and getting uh, deeply depressed or isolating uh, ourselves. And, or or I, I know denial and just, or just minimizing it. Uh, you know, it's all, it's all good. It's all good. God's got a plan. But yet, uh, the biblical movements are, it begins by when, I, when we're in grief and loss, we actually, first, we pay attention to it. We feel it. Um, uh, that's the biblical uh, approach. 
So my first phase or my first movement towards grief and loss is I allow it to enter into me. I feel it. And we see this throughout the Psalms. We see this in Jeremiah. I mean, he feels it. Uh, this prophet of God uh, deeply, and, and again, I want to encourage you, read Lamentations. It's a challenging read because he is just in anguish. Two-thirds of the Psalms are anguishing laments before God. The whole book of Job, 35 chapters, is anguish before God. I mean, Jesus was known as a man of sorrows. Uh, and, uh, you know, instead of bargaining and depression uh, with God, it, 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 the suffering, at least in Jeremiah here, he allows it to open him up that something is happening, yes, against his will, absolutely against our will. Uh, but there's something positive happening here. God's getting our attention. He's slowing us down. He's making us thoughtful and reflective and prayerful. And the key is that we, it's allowing these losses to, to do their work in us. Now, Jeremiah pays attention to it, and he invites all of Israel to pay attention to it. And uh, this pandemic invites us to pay attention to pain, to loss, to grief, because loss comes to all uh, everywhere in the world, in every culture, every social class. Uh, the sad thing is few people are changed by it. Uh, again, so so one of my one of the stories I, I I I've always enjoyed is a there's a movie called The Doctor. Uh, it's it's a, it's a it's a chapter from a true story. William Hurt uh, plays a brilliant but arrogant heart surgeon, and uh, he's he's a great doctor, but he's so used to cutting up patients, uh, he kind of treats human beings like pieces of meat. He has, doesn't have any compassion. But then his life gets turned upside down when he himself gets throat cancer. And he's told that if radiation fails, he has to go under the knife and he's going to lose his voice. And this arrogant surgeon suddenly finds himself as a patient. And he's outraged at submitting to tests by an arrogant, cold doctor. Uh, and, and, uh, but he discovers his own arrogance and coldness. And he reexamines the whole way he's been a doctor all his life. And he owns up to the, his marriage is empty. And, uh, and he allows himself, he actually gets changed Um by the whole experience of mingling with people who have brain tumors and as he's going through his own treatment, uh, he emerges as a different person uh, and, and, and uh, changed by it. But he pays attention to his pain and realizes that great money and power and success and intellect uh, without being transformed by loss is dangerous. And so he pays attention to it. And that, that's, that's the first invitation to us as personally is to pay attention to the grief and loss going on around us, uh, and then to invite those who we are with, who we're leading and influencing, whether it's our, our families, our friends, our teammates, our, uh, our churches, um, our ministries, we are, we are leading people to pay attention to the loss and absorb it, but then moving into, into the second phase of uh, a biblical way of grieving is that we wait on God in this confusing in-between. Uh, and so amidst this enormous loss, one of, the, one of the deepest holes and pits of Scripture, Jeremiah pens those amazing words, uh, I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I just love that. And that's one of the first songs I learned as a, as a baby Christian. I it's just, it's so powerful. And he writes, I call this to mind. And uh, the Lord is my portion, he writes. And 
uh, you know, for him, it's not land. That's his inheritance. It's God. And he makes a choice. I'm sure he has a knot in his stomach. His body's filled with pain and anxiety, but he's reflective. And he's still, and he quiets his soul, Psalm 123. He speaks to himself and he speaks to God. Uh, you know, for myself, it looks like journaling, uh, community mentors, counseling, and, uh, you know, mature friends. Now, there's a paying attention uh, and waiting that's superficial and, there, and then just moving on quickly. And then there's a paying attention that's deep paying attention and deep waiting on God that doesn't rush uh, to the new right away. It's taking in all that God has. Now, I have a difficult time paying attention, waiting, and learning through loss. I'm not going to kid you. This pandemic is challenging um, uh, because it is. it just gets more painful as time progresses. And uh, it's just hard to swallow. And uh, I like the way the message translates uh, Lamentations 3, beginning of verse 28. The message translation reads like this. When life is heavy and hard to take, go off by yourself, enter the silence, bow in prayer. Don't ask questions, wait for hope to appear. Don't run from trouble, take it full face. The worst is never the worst. Love that. Uh, you know, God's language is different, right? God's most, as Louis Evlius said, God's most insistent call to us always seems to be a sort of silence since his language isn't ours. It isn't what we expect. Thomas Aquinas wrote uh, you know, in the 1400s, he goes, we, we often think he wrote a, that creation is a one-time event. That, but he says, no, Genesis 1, that creation is ongoing. God's alive. He's moving. He's pouring out his life moment by moment. And it's that pouring out of God's life on the earth that sustains us right now. And beneath every moment of human existence is the outpouring of the life of God. In other words, God's in your next breath and my next breath. And within every circumstance and every object and every person, God's action's going on. And if God's attention, Aquinas writes, stops for a moment, the universe would cease. Jeremiah has a deep sense of that. There's not a square inch of reality where God is not present, including loss, including the pandemic. Somewhere God is active and moving in this world that he's got in the palm of his hand. But then Jeremiah does move to this uh, third phase of grief and loss, which is not just paying attention to the pain, feeling it, letting him go in, not just waiting on the Lord and that confusing in between, but he lets the old birth the new. Uh, now, Jeremiah, uh, in the book of Jeremiah, gets into this about in 70 years is going to be a, a rebuilding of Jerusalem, and, and he's he's got this hope uh, that that the new is coming, that God's going to be a new covenant, um, and uh, God's going to build something new out of this thing. And so we believe in the resurrection. Jesus is alive. And so when we stick with God in, in, in loss and grief, we stay with it, uh, with God, waiting on him, there will always be a resurrection out of death. There will always be a new out of the, uh, out of the old. So when we stick with God in our loss and suffering, personally and corporately, this is why this is so critical for us right now, uh, that we lead out of our own lives and we lead our churches in this practically is, I'm going to give you a few things that happen to us as we stay with God during uh, a, a moments like a pandemic and how it can just unlock so much of God for us. So for example, God offers us, number one, a revelation of himself. 
in times like this if we stay with him. In other words, our hearts are enlarged and we, we see how incomprehensible God is, how untraceable he is, how infinite he is, how transcendent and exhaustible he is. God's ways are much higher and more expansive than we can imagine. And like Jeremiah, in the midst of the disaster of Jerusalem's destruction at the hand of the Babylonians, we discover the depths of his love and faithfulness that are new every morning. And we realize that we're never going to stop growing and progressing in the inexhaustible life of God. But not only that, but God also makes us softer and more compassionate as we stay with him uh, in grieving. Sadness softens us. It softens our defenses. Defenses. People experience us as safe containers. I love what Henry Nouwen says, that the degree to which we grieve our losses is in direct proportion to the depth and quality of the compassion we can offer other people. In other words, absorbing our own pain, we are able to enter the pain of others. We become mature mothers and fathers of the faith. That's the goal here for us, that we're going to raise up mothers and fathers of the faith in our churches. In fact, our churches are going to be mothers and fathers for our communities and towns uh, as we lead and equip uh, you know, our people in this. We also get a, a greater revelation of ourselves in this process of, of, of healthy biblical grieving. It, it, grieving reveals to us, for example, the extent to which our self-will is so deeply embedded in us. I never understood how much my self-will uh, wanted to be in control until I began to actually experience my losses and instead of raging uh, against them, began to actually let them break me. Garden of Gethsemane, we see Jesus lying on the ground, overwhelmed by the will of the Father, uh, but he's surrendering his will to the Father's will. I mean, this the breaking that happens in a thing like a pandemic, it just empties us. So that out of union with Jesus, I actually um, begin to experience something new and fruitful coming out of inside of me. But, but I actually become uh, more of my true self. We, we actually... Our false self dissolves, and our true self actually in Christ actually emerges. Sorrow has a remarkable power to wear away the masks that we often present to the world. We actually get liberated from this childish tendency to avoid pain. We want to look away from it, medicate ourselves from it, and we get free. Uh, and something truer, that's Jesus in us and through us, begins to emerge and finally, when we do let the old birth the new and grieve God's way, we, we find ourselves more alive than ever, grateful for the amazing, astonishing, incredible world that God's placed around us. And we find ourselves actually thankful for so many of God's gifts that are floating around us. And and like Jesus, we, we end up moving through life with uh, like he showed his wounds to his disciples following the resurrections, we too are sent to uh, show our wounds uh, as well as we serve Jesus you know, in the world. So again, grief is meant not to be gotten over, but it's meant to work in us. And, and we're going to face many deaths in our lives. And these deaths don't need to be terminal, uh, crushing us, but actually they're meant to be uh, avenues of resurrection in Jesus, and they open us to new life and new levels of maturity. 
Uh, remember what Jesus said, I, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. And that, that is the central message of the gospel, is that out of death comes resurrection and transformation. So uh, what do you do with your losses? What are you going to do with this incredible grief of the pandemic? Uh Again, it's not just an emotion grief. It's actually a skill, a practice, something we move towards for healing and maturity versus turning away from it uh, and avoiding it. God's got something new for you as you listen to this. And uh, it's one of the ways God's getting you to pay attention to him and to me. It's one of his paths to transform us. And just like Jesus learned obedience from what he suffered, so shall we. Uh, Lamentations 3, 22 to 24 is a magnificent text. Uh, you know, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It's like Job saying, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. This is an incredibly important moment for you, for me, and for the church of Jesus Christ in the world uh, and you want to ask yourself, how might God be coming to me and our community uh, in this loss? Uh, what's he saying to me? What's he trying to show me about himself, about myself, about the decisions we're to make? Now, next week, I'm going to expand on this and explore some a few specific practical ways we can lead others, our families, our ministries, our teams, our churches, uh, into grieving the pandemic so that we can actually unlock God's revelation of himself and ourselves whether it's preaching or songs of lament, send me your suggestions, your thoughts that you may already have as I seek to bring them together for next week's podcast. And again, if you've not taken that uh, Emotionally Healthy personal assessment on our website, please go to it, uh, emotionallyhealthy.org slash mature uh, and uh, take 15, 20 minutes. Am I an emotional infant, child, adolescent, or adult? And look specifically at the section on... Um, grief and loss and how you're handling that. So again, send me any kind of comments you've got on to askpete at emotionallyhealthy.org and uh, about uh, suggestions you may have for my next week's podcast. Look forward to seeing them. Thank you everybody so much. It's been great to be with you. God bless you and have a great day.